keep peace. Hello there and welcome to another edition of Wag the Dog FM. How are you? Here things are fine. Uh, in Brussels here it has been a beautiful week, sunny and the holidays are upon me. But don't worry, I'll be covering and I'll be here and I'll be doing interviews and I'll be publishing every single week. So uh, you will have another episode of Wag the Dog next week, even if I am Probably not in the country and somewhere else. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about something special. Um, I'll be covering things that I haven't covered before. And those things are, hold on to your seats, marketing, advertising. Yes, I said marketing and advertising. I'll be talking about these things together with a, a, a guest. And I'll, I'll come back to my guest later on. But I'll be talking about the combination of marketing, advertising, public relations, so sound public relations, uh, social media, and, and digital uh, thought leadership. And to do that, I invited Farad. Farad is the uh, managing director of a London-based agency called Threepipe. They work around digital marketing, public relations, social media, and content creation, and they do that for different kinds of companies in the UK and in other countries. Farah will take us through a case study they've done for a client of them uh, in the UK, uh, a B2C, business-to-consumer client, and he'll take us through that case study and look at oh, how long-form content, uh, thought leadership in the form of blog posts, for instance, are really augmented and supported by other stuff that we would say, well, that's for the marketing department. And again, I think it's crucial that we learn a lot from marketing. We in communications, we can learn a lot of techniques from marketing. Marketing can learn a lot of stuff from us public relations people. And what I wanted to do here through case study with an external speaker like Farad, with a lot of experience to, to give that a form and give an example of how when we combine public relations techniques, thought leadership development, but also online marketing and advertising. When we combine those things, then our stories go much further and we do our work much better than by doing it by ourselves. So I hope that you'll enjoy this one. It's a special one. Uh, without further ado, here we go. So hi, Farad. Welcome on Wag the Dog FM. Hi, Philip. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Okay, fine. Well, it's a nice, nice day here in Brussels. So uh, we have the sun out, which is good. Yeah. It's unusual. We have the sun out in London too. Ah, you see? Okay, <laughs> good. Farad, we're here to talk about um, what I would call a special topic uh, because our audience is from Wag the Dog is mainly communications people, media relations, corporate comms. But we'll be talking about what is um, labeled today as earned media, owned media, and then paid media. So we will be talking about money and investing money in supporting you know, thought leadership, right? Yep. Okay. So if we could do that, I think we've discussed this before, of course, but uh, I think you have a, a great case study where it started out with thought leadership in the way of blogging online and then moved to a, to a different level. If you could take us into that case study, it would be great. Sure. So one of the, the brands that we work for in the UK is Reese and Reese is a, a high-end uh, retail brand. And like many, many brands, they've understood that investing in content and having their audience engaged with content is a really great way of getting them to be familiar with the product, create brand awareness, and fundamentally help drive sales in, in, the, in the long term. And one of the key issues that you have with so much of the content that people are producing now is that 
there's not all of it can be used in, in an earned sense. So what you put on, on your blog in terms of your top 10 fashion tips for the summer isn't always going to be interesting for every publication out there. Mm-hmm. So what we're, what we're finding increasingly is, is looking at how we use different forms of content, particularly in the digital world more than anything else, um, to help amplify the message around some of the, the earned media that they're getting to drive more readership of the content that they would get, which otherwise would lay relatively undiscovered or need someone to discover the brand first before discovering the content and actually using that content as a brand discovery tool. Okay. So that's used. So can, can I just interrupt? So for, for the people <coughs> who don't know the brand, we're talking about a B2C business to consumer brand doing lifestyle uh, clothing, right? Women. Yeah. Women and men fairly 50, 50, uh, what, what we would term in the, in the UK is a, a premium, um, a high end, uh uh high street brand so yeah. probably average transaction value is 200 250 pounds okay and so they've already invested they have a blog they have a uh, i i would imagine a fashion trend blog and with the typical you know tips according to season what to wear and those kind of things yeah exactly a lot of those things in terms of what to wear how to style yourself in terms of, of creating the right image a lot around seasonality, a lot, again, a lot around key seasonal trends like fashion week mm-hmm. and, and those sort of areas. And like I was saying, what you find is some of that content is great. And a lot of it's produced initially for people that already engage with the brand, but it's not necessarily content which you will always uh, be able to, to, to leverage and earn a relationship with because there is so much of that stuff. Some of it actually the lead times that are, are too long mm-hmm. for, for in terms of production uh, and turnaround time. And, and in terms of a lot of the, particularly when you're talking about more of the imagery and the, the video type content that we do in, in, in those areas, they're not the sort of things that, that people would put on their sites from that uh, editorial point of view uh, a lot of the time. However, you know, from uh, engaging a new, a new user to, to engage with the brand and understand the brand and to help them from a content solutions um, point of view, then we find it can be very, very effective about how we understand the right kinds of uh, leverage mm-hmm. um, for, for, for that content. And as you said, I think I, I can imagine that, you know, it's, it's not the only brand out there in that area. It's very popular. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of content already out there, thought leadership, uh, blog posts, videos. So it's, it's a bit of a crowded market if you if we just think about the thought leadership and the content, right? Yeah, absolutely agreed. And I think that the what you're finding, if, if I talk specifically about that retail space is, is you're finding that everyone's starting to produce a lot more content outside of what their traditional earned uh, relationships would be or product placement in, in newspaper activity would be. So extending the reach of that content online and making it more engaging. Because there's so much more of it, it's actually, in its odd way, slightly less interesting to cover mm-hmm. from an earned perspective. Um, but what we are finding through intelligent measurement of, of being able to track those online behaviors is that um, if people engage with that content their actual behavior once they come to buy something is actually richer than someone who's actually seen an advert. advert. So we, we ran a piece for Reese where there, we did a lot of cross-testing about engagement with content versus engagement with advertising. And those that engaged with content first spent 36% more money um, the first time around. And interestingly, a couple of months ago, Marks and Spencer's released a, a fairly similar case study where their uplift was 24%. So, but you're saying this very casually. I think for a lot of my colleagues here in media relations, it, it is a bit of a shock. So you're saying that created content, non-advertising, non-paid for, really, you know, content that we create, like we do in 
backgrounders and blog posts and thought leadership and white papers, in this case, has much more an impact directly on a sales figure than advertising? Yes. And so I think there are two. And the, the one interesting thing about the using paid tactics to amplify content is your ability to track things because you can use um, tracking tags and, and all the online tracking tools that are available. Your ability to measure is a lot stronger um, than what your ability to measure when you can't physically put any code on anything. Mm -hmm. And so and what we're finding is that it, it, it's the content doesn't necessarily stand alone in terms of driving that behavior. So it's often content followed by an ad that they've seen and it's getting them down that, that process and that path. So it's like most consumer interactions, particularly when you're spending a reasonably significant amount of money and particularly with a brand that you don't know is it's unlikely the first piece of content you engage with with the brand is going to be the only thing that you engage with before you buy something from them. Mm -hmm. So you might you you will quite happily read a piece of content. You might then actually go two days later to search for the brand. You might sign up for the email list. There's a number of steps before that final piece actually happens. But what we're finding in, in terms of the most influential introducer, if you like, in terms of, of driving value is if we can make that first touch point a content touch point, it is more valuable than any other first touch point that we can we can get them to look at from an online point of view. Well, I'm 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 glad you're conferring that as a as a specialist agency in that area because we a lot of us we 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 do somewhere as a gut feeling have this like of course you know non advertising related content good added value content works better to convince someone to do something in this case buy in this case buy something or change behavior whatever you. But it's good that you're confirming that. But at the same time, you're saying it's not the thought leadership content on itself. It is in a combination with different other tactics, right? Absolutely. And I think that even when we look at PR in a traditional sense from a media relations point of view and someone engaging in that first piece of content, the difficulty often when they've seen that is you can't measure all the interactions before they go off and, and sample something or purchase something. The one key thing about the online side is that actually it's much easier to get that visibility. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a piece where I think that we're able to show the value of that content, whether it be the, the brand's content or content produced by a third party on behalf of that brand and measure the impact of it over a long period of time. Yeah. Let's go back to the case study. So so what happened here? So you have a client in the retail sector and then they, they come to you, they say, look, we already have a blog, it's running. But we want to increase what the conversion. We want to increase what? What was the the, the brief, so to say? The, the the brief actually, and you know, a lot of the issues that people have with the the, the sheer amount of content they're producing is trying to ascribe a value to it. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the big things was we produce a blog. The the amount of people that see our blog and read our blog is not that high. Uh, most of the people that engage with it are are already existing customers, and that's very nice because it helps them. Um, understand the brand and we give them content to help them buy from us again. But we think we could be doing a better job about using content to help engage new people. Um, what do you think we could do to yeah. use our content to, to do that? And how would you measure what success looks like? Okay. So it's, it's really breaking out of what they already have and, uh, so to say, conquering new minds. Uh, yeah. so they, they have a fan base, but they want to expand through what they already have. Exactly. And I think if you look at, you know, a, a number, not just um, business to consumer, also B2B brands, the amount of investment in content, everything from a blog to a white paper is actually pretty large. Um, and where are most of these content assets living? They're living on your website, fundamentally. Mm -hmm. they, some of them might live on a blog somewhere here or there. 
but actually really getting that to scale and reach quite quickly can be quite a difficult thing for them to actually do. So what we're finding actually is the paid bit is, is, is there to reinforce and help really leverage the stuff that really works for you and amplify it in, in a much stronger way. It's, you know, from the restuff that we did, it's not like every piece of content we put out there worked because it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is always going to be an element of test and learn and bringing in data from, you know, uh, what uh, pages people look at on your website, which content is really sticky, which pieces are the media really interested in um, from an earned perspective, which ones have already seemed to drive decent traffic to your site. So you start pulling in all the analytical pieces that help you build out a plan about, well, even if I have a thousand pieces of content, I can't do every, I can't do something with all of it. It's not cost effective. How do I build out a strategy that allows me to leverage what's going to be the most effective for me yeah. to use? So I think there's two interesting points in what you just said. First is, you know, let's start, we communications people, let's start to use these, what we would consider today marketing techniques. Let's look at what works and what doesn't work on our website. Uh, let's use analytics. Uh, a bit more than just the Google click-throughs, but but really serious analytics and see which content is flying. I think that's that's an interesting giving that you just said here. And then Absolutely. the other one, the other one, I think, and that's what I'm discussing with 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 colleagues and clients, and 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 a lot of organizations really don't know on what kind of treasures they're sitting, of of treasures in the way that content pieces that are so locked up in their website. Which when I look at it from the outside, we go like. Why is this hidden in 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 the fifty and you know click through, or why is this in a, in a, in a PDF format which I first have to whatever do crazy stuff to bring it out? A lot of organizations are already sitting on very good content; they just don't you know push it as far as they can. I absolutely agree with you, and I think that one of the interesting things that that we're finding is that I think there's two things. It's number one that actually PR people need to be better with things like Google Analytics mm-hmm. to understand. You know, it's how you understand what content on sites works or not. And there always seems to still be a division between who owns and runs a website and the content that goes on the website and how it goes on the website and the people that sometimes produce that content and the the kind of cohesion about getting those pieces right isn't necessarily always there. So we find that a lot of the time we're actually in the middle of, of these conversations going, okay, well, the web analytics data tells us this, so we need to pull this data. And often the team that are working with, with producing the content, don't have access to that data themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're really navigating blindly, and 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 that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what was the next step then for your client? So you got the brief, and then you looked at the content they had, did analysis. So, what was what was the next step? So, the next step was really identifying from from that analysis what types of content we we thought would work. Um, and a lot of the way that the amplification platforms work work are based on contextual relevance. So it's about the keywords in the copy to try and find the right matches. So there's a little bit of work around where is there scale or not scale. And actually, we just ran a test campaign, picking out five or six different types of content and looking at the click-through rates, the amount of people that, that were, uh, went to the pages, the dwell time on the page, the bounce rates from those particular pages. And then over time, because their conversion process is is on average sort of 15, 20 days for a new customer, we kind of run a bit of activity, stop, wait, look at what the impact on sales are, and then start looking at all that data about content performance, everything from click-through rate, the cost of the click to actually drive someone there, how engaged they were on the page, how much content did they read or watch, or um, how long did they stay on that page for, 
And then the secondary bit after a period of time is going, okay, and what sales impact would that have? And using that data to keep refining that process to learn that, you know, certain areas always work very well um, and other areas really don't work particularly well. So for them, actually, it was very much the thing around trends and looks and style and context and relevancy at the appropriate time. So fashion week stuff has got to be the first couple of weeks around fashion week. After that, it's pointless doing anything else yeah. with it anyway. And actually what we found is when you're, we were trying to be too visual or trying to get people to watch too long a piece of video content, um, then actually the secondary responses weren't so strong. So it's putting together all those pieces. And I think the one thing from a, a paid media perspective, from a digital point of view that I always talk about is it's always about testing and learning. So you have to build a hypothesis that you want to work with. You need to test the variables through it. You need to build some conclusions. And you keep that mentality rolling on to, to help you define what you keep, what you then do in the future. Mm -hmm. Now, let's be very concrete because you are talking about concepts that are maybe not so well known. You are, you mentioned amplifying. Yes. And, and so maybe you could tell us really concretely what that <coughs> means, how that works, amplifying. And can you also, you know, in the context of this case study, tell me or tell us what, what the role of, you know, money is, you know, paying for attention. How, how does that work? Okay, so let me let me break that down into those two questions. So amplification really, or content amplification, is the process by which a piece of content is disseminated um, or proliferated um, via a paid media tactic. Um, that paid media tactic could be a number of different areas, realistically. It could be everything from uh, a paid search keyword to a social paid ad to... Um, a native advertising platform like Outbrain, which then looks at the content and finds appropriate slots to, to, to push it through. Um, and you're going to have to repeat your second question to me because I've forgotten it. No, and then the, and it was exactly, you've explained or you answered the second question, the role of, 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 of paying for attention. So you mentioned that it is amplifying, is taking a, a good piece of added value content that the organization owns has already used and then amplifying that by paid means and you nicely enumerated the different ways to do that. There was oh. though an, an, an <laughs> I'm joking a bit, but the ugly word has fallen, native <laughs> advertising, native advertising. So a, a lot of people in media relations will go like native advertising. This is just, you know, it's, it's, I'm doing the real work here. I am, you know, talking with journalists, selling in stories without paying for it. It's added value quality stuff. And they will publish it. And now there is this thing called native advertising, which is just putting ads out. No, so yeah, is <laughs> there, there is a, there is a piece of that. But then I think you know, there's there's also getting a, a bit of a reality check about the way that the world is changing and the way that digital media is. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if you look at the transition to digital publications, there's firstly the sheer proliferation of titles that you happen to have. You have the fact that content changes frequently on each one of those sites. So whatever you might have placed from an earned media point of view this morning probably won't be there this afternoon. Yep. Whereas you would have been guaranteed that coverage pretty much all day long from whoever picked up the paper version of that, that piece of content. You've got the fact that um, people are using many more sources. You've got the fact that a lot of content is being aggregated all over the place. So it's very difficult to see how that's going to work for you from those point of views. And I think that the reality is also increasingly that um, particularly if you start looking at the, the, the sort of blogs and the vlog space in, in, in the UK, where there is an appreciation from the people that are starting to build up media profiles of their own that there is real commercial value. 
um, for their influence, mm-hmm. and why should they not receive some remuneration yeah. for the the value of their influence? And if I look at you know, particularly in the UK, things like the fashion sector or the gaming sector, if you really want to reach those influential people, you're going to be paying them somehow, some way, some shape, some form. Yeah, and I do think we, we, you know, we're talking about, or you're talking about a case study here in 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 a in a in an area B two C, which is really, I mean, fashion. Come on, as you said, gaming. Come on, uh, but then that doesn't mean that the tactics that you're describing uh, are not valuable. I I even think they are even more valuable in in a B two B sector where it's maybe less obvious and and things like that. I I agree, and we do quite a fair bit of this in the B two B space for people like Oracle. Mm-hmm. Um. And one of the key things, uh, one of the key things from a B two B sort of section uh, space is that actually, from the things that are relevant to earn in a lot of sectors are quite limited, and so your ability to be in those things frequently about topics you want to be about isn't always going to be an opportunity to you because they will write about your special subject once a quarter, once every six months, yeah. once every twelve months. So your opportunity to actually get seen with the level of frequency that you would like is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think alternatively, particularly when you start moving that that amplification conversation into the social sphere and start talking about LinkedIn and, and even Facebook for some people from, from a B2B point of view, is that it allows you to talk to the audience you really want to talk to when you want to talk to them in a much more frequent way. And again, it's the same principle about it's leveraging the right sort of content that you want to get in place. And actually for, for B2B, we find a lot of it's actually... It's about demand generation, so a lot of it's about thought leadership, white paper generation, and then trying to build the data that feeds into a a sales funnel for the guys to start a conversation with. And that digital piece enables you to track and do that using inbound marketing tools such as HubSpot in a much, much more effective way, but gives you a bit more control and power over over your marketing because you're not so much at the behest of actually what an editorial schedule looks like. Well, so, but, but still, would you say, because you've, you've said a bit more control about your marketing, would you say it also is as, a, as an application or an implication for communications, you know, not marketing related, but, but purely communications, media relations, uh, thought leadership? Yes, I, I think that's right. And I think it, it's, it's very much about, I suppose the debate is about the role of content and how content should be used. And I think that fundamentally what we're getting to is the fact that in order to really leverage the assets that you have, it's about how you use them across multiple channels um, with earned own being part of that mix. And the paid piece, I think, is the piece which, let's be honest, it's it's, it's almost always going to be the most expensive thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually how do you use it to enhance all the other areas that you're you're doing rather than necessarily replace all the other areas that you're doing. Um, and it's for time to tell how much of that divide or how much of that needs to shift um, based on what happens in the media landscape. Yeah. So it's really tracking, and I, I like what you said. It's not about replacing; it's about really augmenting and and pushing and amplifying instead of replacing by. It's the and and which makes it much more powerful, right? Yes, I, I agree, and I think that it's one of the things that we're all going to have to get used to is yeah. that devices proliferation, the media titles, new social platforms every fifteen minutes. We are all going to have to be a bit more flexible in the way that yeah. we work and how we move through channels and. And how we juggle those together. No, and 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 I do believe that you know, 
people in communications who really follow the market and uh, are up to date, they understand that the world is changing and that, that we need to look at our colleagues in marketing, work together much more, and also take over maybe some tactics at the same time, you know, really adding our value in the way that we are people who know how to create long-term relationships in, instead of just, you know, the, the, the purely advertising-driven uh, trends. Uh, but, but those things can work together very well instead of, you know, fighting for the same budgets, I do think. I, so. yeah. I, I, I agree. And I think that one of the issues that if I, I, I kind of look at it from the client side perspective is they're generally set up in silos in terms of the way yeah. that the teams work. Yeah. And yeah. that's where you end up with the budget fight or actually the, oh, what you want to do is technically spending media money. So therefore mm -hmm. it must be from an advertising budget. And I think the reality is that the digital world is making that all so much more blurry that um, from a client perspective, having that flexibility to understand how those pieces join together more efficiently is there and it's also i think going to be the real challenge for agencies yeah. for, for the next few years yeah so tell me what are the results with the case here um for the reese case study yeah yeah, yeah i mean the, the overall impact was that um the um i think the overall number of traffic volume of traffic was approximately eighty thousand people that we drove to, to various pieces of their content um very cost effectively but like i said that the key key outtake for us was that if we engage the user via content first versus engaging a user via advertising first, the, and both of them were new customers, the person engaging with content would spend 36% more on their first transaction. Mm. Unfortunately, it's too early for us to tell about lifetime value. Um, yeah. But generally from other things that I've done, you would suspect that that trend would continue. And, and I think one other thing to look at it as well, the value of understanding what works and what doesn't work. That in itself is already also something very valuable. Like you said, I think you mentioned that you discover that certain types of content work not so well or that the videos may be a bit too long. Or So, so that in itself is already very valuable, I think. Agreed. And I think particularly when you start looking at, at the social space where you're finding that um, there's a lot more in terms of paid boosting and and starting to dip the water in, in toes into that source of water. The, the, the challenge for PR agencies and, and for PR professionals is to really get to grips with um, some of the more digital metrics around how do you evaluate um, what is successful or not. Yeah, and, and it all starts with, you know, very concrete goal setting. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Uh, Farah, thanks. Uh, as a last question, really interesting case here. As a last question, what would you advise communications people who are, you know, discovering all this amplification stuff and, you know, thinking about, okay, how could I apply this? What, what are the kind of top tips that I could get out of you? Uh, my top tips, okay. I think number one would be if you have the ability to access data on the content that somebody already has via analytics or any other tool that they have, it's really build out an understanding of your content plan based on some rigorous analysis. Um, secondly, it's, and this is the biggest mistake that everybody makes, is understand how tracking works on the internet. And if you can understand that, you can track anything um, and you can loop anything together. So rather than very simple metrics around this is how many people I've clicked on my ad. There's a lot more depth you can have to that. So really build um, a story that allows you to, or build a case that allows you to, to show compelling evidence of success. And that requires some understanding of how 
tracking tags work and Google Analytics works. Um, and then I think the third thing would be is more advice to clients, which will be you're going to spend some money on some stuff that really doesn't work. Um, <laughs> and that's part of the learning process. You yeah. have to be comfortable with that because you will make mistakes. Everyone does. Yeah. Okay. Hey, great stuff, Farad. Thank you for your time. This was a, a really interesting discussion. I hope we can do it again with another case study uh, and, and new insights. Uh, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, we'd be happy time. to. Thank All you right, very much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So what do you think? Interesting? I found it crucial to cover this because we, again, as I said in the intro, we often work in those silos and we have a lot of stuff to learn from marketeers and marketeers have a lot of stuff to learn from us. So I do think it was an, in, uh, an, an important and an interesting topic to cover. I hope you liked it. If you did like it, please go to iTunes and uh, give us a review. Uh, it really helps with my motivation and it helps other people discover the show. So that would be nice. Just head to iTunes and uh, give a review for Wag the Dog for this episode or for other episodes you liked. Another thing, um, if you're not on the email newsletter, because we do have a newsletter where I announce uh, every new episode when it comes on, but also a couple of other stuff in the near future. Uh, I'm going to try to set up a free online course uh, and would like to share that with my audience here. So um, head down to www.onlineprtraining.com. That is my website where I deliver training sessions and other things. And I've got a newsletter there. So it's just a, a, a sign up. I think it's just for first name, last name, email address. I will not spam you. You can unsubscribe in one click whenever you want. And it will only be used to inform you about uh, my next projects, will, which will be and a free online uh, training course for the listeners of Wag the Dog. So head down to www.onlineprtraining.com if you would be interested. If not, no problem, but I do hope that you keep on listening to Wag the Dog episodes every single week. So until next time, do the right thing. Keep the peace.